Students, let's now begin our review session on Dante's Paradiso. We are going to go from uh, Canto 1 through 33, Sphere 1 through 10, and we are going to go very, very fast. So um, prepare to uh, turn down the speed on this lecture if you have the opportunity to. So Sphere number 1 is called the Moon. The Moon is the sphere of oathbreakers, people who embodied the theological uh, virtue of faith, but were inconstant or were inconsistent. Recall that the first three spheres of heaven are covered or marred by Earth's conical shadow using the Ptolemaic um, uh, uh, solar system, essentially our system of the universe, and uh, that the first three spheres are uh, corrupted or marred by some manner of um, sin. And so, the concepts that we ran into here were the absolute will, which is the will of God, which you wrote on yesterday, as well as the contingent will, which is the will of man, which you also wrote on yesterday. Um, the people that we meet here are both nuns. They are Procarda Donati. Recall that she is part of a family that has uh, Corso Donati as well as Chianfa Donati down in hell and also um, Farisi Donati in purgatory. She happens to be in heaven indicating that it doesn't matter where your family is from, where you end up going in Dante's afterlife. Inverse Constance, also a nun. Recall that she was the grandmother of Manfred and the mother of the heretic uh, or, excuse me, the tyrant, Frederick II, um, and uh, that both were taken by force from their convents. Now, uh, quote, They have shown themselves here not because the sphere is allotted to them, but to signify the celestial one that is least exalted. To speak thus to your understanding is necessary, for it takes from sense perception alone what it makes worthy of intellect. For this reason, Scripture condescends, this is very important here, to your faculties, attributing feet and hands to God, meaning something different. That's a very provocative thing that um, Dante is saying as a poet here. And Holy Church represents Gabriel and Michael to you with human shape and the other one who made Tobias whole. I want you to know that this comes from the moon, this quote. And that it is literally saying that when God and angels are anthropomorphized, that is in order to make them more relatable to you, even though that is not how they appear. So Dante is expressly uh, making the claim here that God does not look like a human, that angels are not actually humans, but that they are described as being human-like, because that's easier for you to understand as a human. Uh, almost as if, uh, uh, for a human, of course a god would look human, because humans see as humans see. Uh, very provocative. In any case, um, I've already told you about Picardi Donati, and Farisi Donati, and Constance. I told you about all this. Good. Okay, remember oaths. We learned about oaths in the sphere one of the moon. And that there were two parts of an oath. There is the oath itself and the matter of an oath. Now, an oath can itself be changed, but uh, it cannot be totally broken. The only way uh, that Dante says that you can um, change an oath and not have God be angry with you is to uh, give one and a half times as much as you first offer. So, you cannot break an oath. You can just offer something different. What can you offer? More than you originally offered. You must be more charitable if you are going to change. And oath. You must be more liberal in giving. You cannot renege on your oaths. You cannot obviate oaths, uh, except for recall under one condition. If the thing you are offering is worse than the punishment for breaking the oath, then you can break the oath. And recall that um, the idea of idominius as well as um, Agamemnon was used there. Um, that um, in these cases, uh, the father should not have killed his child. He should have just taken the wrath of the gods, because what is worse than losing your child? What is worse than, worse than that? Okay, recall also, quick definitions of the contingent will and the absolute will, just so that uh, you know what we're talking about over the last two essays and uh, today. The contingent will is the will that humans use 
to make everyday decisions about temporal things. I think that means things existing within time. Tampus. The absolute will, however, which appears to be the will of God, can also be tapped into by a human by aligning their contingent will with it. Uh, this slide I also include, is this also the answer to the final question from your essay yesterday? Apparently, what Dante did at the very end, in the last four lines of the Paradiso, is he, al he aligned his contingent will with the absolute will. And that is perfect freedom, rather than perfect slavery for a human, uh, for some odd reason. In any case, now, on to sphere number two, Mercury. Remember this. Note this, uh, or rather, note this quote. And note that it is uh, sort of backwards. And as an arrow, which will strike the target before the string of the bow has come to rest, so we sped onwards to the second kingdom. Uh, usually you would describe the notching of the arrow on the bow and then it's striking the target. You wouldn't mention the striking of the target first. This is an example of the literary term of hysteron proteron. I think I have that written on your quote sheet there. All right, now, fact sheet on Mercury. The theme is ambition. We're seeking worldly fame. The virtue is hope. How is it marred? Because it's one of the first three spheres. It is marred by ambition. Concepts that we learn of are Roman history from Justinian, who speaks during the entirety of Canto VI, which is a political canto across all three canticles. We also hear, hear about just vengeance versus just punishment. I've actually been thinking a lot about this this year. That yes, it is just for you to take vengeance on blood being spilt in your family, like say Orestes uh, taking vengeance on his mother, but it is also just for the theories then to take vengeance on him for spilling his family's blood. This really taught me a lot about cycles of violence when I thought about it. Yes, if you hit someone back after they hitting, hit you, technically that can be fair. And yet, it just makes it fair for them to then hit you back again. And so, um, uh, and this is especially bad if, say, like, your sister hits you, and then you hit your dog, and then your dog hits your sister, and then she hits you. Uh, especially when there are three people involved. Um, these sorts of cycles, they just keep going. And I really encourage you to think about that in your life when you think about what's unfair and trying to get someone back and what you might end up spending your life dealing with. In any case... Um, we met Justinian here. We also met Romeo de Villanueva. You don't really need to know him for this. Okay, remember that uh, Justinian speaks for the entirety of Canto VI. Canto VI is the only time that we have a speaker speak from beginning to end. Remember that Justinian was an emperor of Rome in the 6th century, and he speaks in the 6th canto. And that 666 is the mark of the beast. Remember that it uses each Roman numeral from 500 down to 1 only one time. There are no duplications in it. It is uh, D, C, uh, D, C, L, uh, X, V, I is how you write 666 in Roman numerals. All right, in any case, remember that Canto 6 is the political canto. We heard Siaco talk about it in the Inferno. Sordello talk about politics in the Purgatorio. Often politics very bad. And then Justinian talk about the entirety of Roman history, its mythological history, and antecedents as well. All right. Here's another description from Mercury. Notice this quote. This little star is studied with good spirits who exerted themselves in order to acquire honor and reputation. Do you see this quote? Look for honor and reputation. What do you know about the people in Mercury? They embody hope, but they're also very ambitious. So honor and reputation are the sorts of things that ambitious People want. All right, very good. Moving on to Canto's 8 and 9, uh, Sphere 3 of Venus. It may also help you very much to remember which cantos are tied to each sphere. 1 through 5 for the moon, 5 through 7, because remember uh, uh, spheres can start in the middle of a canto, 
um, for um, Mercury, and then 8 and 9. And then uh, for Venus, and then 10 through 14 for the Sun, 14 through 18 for uh, Mars, 18 through 20 for Jupiter, 21 and 22 for Saturn, 22 through 27 for the fixed stars, 27 through 29 for the Prima Mobile, and then 29, 30 to 33 for the Empyrean. Remember those distinctions, especially if I include numbers with the quotes, which I probably won't, but I could. All right, Venus. Venus is the last of the first three spheres which are marred by some sort of sin. It embodies the third theological virtue of uh, charity or love. Remember that there was faith, hope, and love. We'll see those again later in the fixed stars. The vice which obscures this virtue is lust. And the major characters are Charles Martel, Cunitza da Romana, Foca de Marseille, as well as Rahab the prostitute. Each of these is interesting, but two are really most relevant. Remember that Rahab, or Rahab, was the temple prostitute at Jericho who helped Joshua's spies escape the city and was led first by Jesus into heaven when he reopened the gates at his death in around 33, 34 uh, CE, uh, according to Dante. Remember also Canisa da Romano, uh, just, just because she had so many husbands, including uh, a lover in Sordello. Now, Earth's conical shadow. I explained this a little earlier, but remember this. How is it that Earth's shadow obscures the first three spheres? Well, according to Ptolemy and his Algamas, the Algamas, his Ptolemaic cosmos, the Earth casts a shadow 871,000 miles long, which would have encompassed Venus at its tip. That includes also Mercury and the Moon, which are closer to Earth than Venus. And though this is incorrect, this suggests that the darkness of Earth remains as an effect on the first three spheres of heaven. Thus, the lower heavens remain, retain some touch of obscurity due to their close relationship to the Earth. And allegorically, this means that since they're so close to Earth, since Dante has been away from the Earth for so little time, that there is still some sort of stain in heaven. Uh, but the same, uh, we will learn later, is actually in his perception, not in heaven itself. In any case, now, uh, I thought about telling you about the Aristotelian cosmology. Just uh, remember this, that souls start with God for Dante. They then trickle down through one of the spheres of heaven. They happen to be the fixed stars through the constellations of Gemini for Dante. And that it then comes down into your body at the moment that you uh, become sort of like a fetus. Uh, we learned about that in the Purgatorio. Um, you then spend your entire life trying to get back to where you came from. And that's the whole idea for Dante. All right. Now, let's check these two quotes. Note that they come from Venus. Nature always, <coughs> if she find a fortune hostile, just as she does with any other seed out of its region, makes a poor job of it. So if fortune is hostile to nature, a human can have a bad character. Um, also, and if the world down there would give its mind to the foundation, nature herself lays, it should say, not lost, and was guided by that, it would have excellent people. The idea here is that nature doesn't always make mistakes, but people make mistakes. But the idea is definitely not that God makes a mistake about which soul he put down into your body. It can just happen to be the case that you're supposed to be a baker, but it's a time of war, and so instead of putting um, a, a, a ladle in your hand, we, we put uh, a, a large sword in your hand instead. And, well, you don't bake as well with one of those. All right. Um, but you force into a religious order. This is the same idea. Someone who would be better with a sword and make a king of someone who should be a preacher, no wonder your journey takes you off a road. Remember, uh, that's a hearkening back to the very first lines of the Inferno where the straight way was lost for Dante. La via dorita, the direct way. In any case, sphere number four, the sun. 
We are now finally outside the, uh, the reach of Earth's conical shadow. For the next four spheres, we will see shapes with them, and then we will get to the trippy final three spheres of Dante's uh, Paradiso. Note the tripartite structure of the Paradiso. There are the first three spheres, which are marred by sin. There are the next four, which have shapes, and we can see pretty well. And then there are the last three that are very odd and different and hard to see, including the prima mobile, which is literally invisible, and the appearing that we only see the reflection of. So, sphere number four. These occupants are teachers, scholars, theologians, wise people. The two speakers that share a perspective here are St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure. Remember that Aquinas was a Dominican that talked about St. Francis and the Franciscans, and St. Bonaventure was a Franciscan who talked about St. Dominique and the dreams his mother had, and the Dominicans, and they both finally come down and say that their, uh, uh, their orders have become more corrupt, sadly enough. The theme was sharing perspective in order to gain a greater one, and the shape of the sun that it embodies, like the next, uh, uh, just as there will be a shape for the next three um, spheres, is two interlocking circles. All right, cool. Um, I already mentioned this. I already mentioned this. All right, now, remember one of the big theological issues that Thomas Aquinas brings up. He says that there was some light next to him. Recall that he's on a sphere, or excuse me, he's on a circle with 12 um, uh, souls, and Bonaventure is on another circle with 12 souls, and there are Old Testament resonances here, because of course there are 24 books of the Old Testament. Remember the 24 old men that are in front of the chariot in the purgatorial and terrestrial paradise. Uh, there were two men who were created entirely perfect directly by God. One was Adam, who literally was dust and had air breathed into his nostrils, and became a perfect man, who then immediately made a mistake. And the other one was Christ. Now, uh, a claim that Thomas Aquinas makes is there was another perfect man. His name was King Solomon. And Dante says, how could there be a perfect man who is not made directly by God? And recall that it was the case that Thomas Aquinas had to very quickly be like, uh, uh, actually what I'm saying is that he was perfect as a king. He was very prudent and he made the right choices and didn't think about overly abstract issues. Like, um, I don't know if I have any of them here, but like how to square a circle, which is obviously how the story ends. All right. Now, up to sphere number five. Note this quote. From this sight, my eyes recovered strength to raise themselves, and I saw I had been translated with my lady alone to a higher blessedness. I saw clearly that I had risen higher by the glancing smile of the star, which seemed to me redder than ordinary. That is a big-time clue that we have entered into which sphere of heaven. So to just say, Mars. Very good. The red planet. Now, sphere five of ten. The occupants are holy warriors or crusaders, people who were martyrs, people who died in combat for their faith. These happen to be Christians um, who fought against, um, who were called Saracens at the time. Those were uh, just uh, any, any Muslim from any country at that time. That was a very general term. In any case, there are hints of Aeneas' conversations with Anchises. That was in book six of the Aeneid. This is a uh, a lot of this conversation with Catraguida will take place in uh, Canto 16 of the Paradiso, so there's some political elements to it, just like Canto 6. And um, Catraguida will tell Dante his future, in particular, he will tell him about his exile. You recently wrote on this, so I expect you to know this very well. Um, the theme here is conflict and suffering can produce harmony, and uh, the shape of Mars obviously is two intersecting lines, two lines that intersect at each's middle obviously forms an X or a cross, a cross in this instance. Um, and at the middle of this cross seems to be the figure of Jesus, a, a, a figure of suffering out of charity. And that seems to be the idea behind being a soldier or a holy soldier, that you suffer out of charity. 
Um, though, of course, you are offered the chance to go to heaven as well, but you, you definitely lose your body if you die in combat, and uh, even the souls in heaven seem to miss their bodies. Now, remember Contaguida is Dante's great-great-grandfather, and then here's a beautiful hymn in uh, Mars, but he starts to not be able to understand it. And uh, this will be a theme that continues on as we get to uh, Sphere 6 and Sphere 7, the music will change. Um, he hears two words from the song, however, and the other uh, bits are unintelligible. He hears a rise and conquer. Very um, uh, pugilistic um, sort of uh, language here. Alright, now, silence then gets composed or imposed on the sphere. A comet-like soul bursts out. This comet-like soul happens to be Kachuita. Uh, now notice in Latin here. And in the original, it's not in Italian. It's in Latin. So this, this older time guy speaks an older time, very formal language to Dante. And he says, O sanguis meus, that means, O my blood, O super infusa gratia dei, O super infused grace of God, sicut tibi, therefore for you, who uh, bis umquam quaeli janua reclusa means, you who twice uh, have had the doors of heaven opened for you. Uh, o my blood, O super infused grace of God, as to you, whomever have the gates of heaven been opened twice. Recall that the only other person Dante recognizes having gone to heaven twice was St. Paul. Recall also that uh, Kachuvita is here um, being, um, um, uh, or, or Dante is here being equated with Aeneas in his conversation with Anchises. Recall also from the first two cantos of the Inferno that Dante had said that he is no Aeneas, that he is no St. Paul. And apparently, actually, uh, at the end of this journey, he sort of is. In any case, in any case, O blood of my blood, O sanguis meus. If you see that sort of quote, know that it is obviously a family member, mem excuse me, family member of Dante speaking to him. The only family member who speaks to Dante in the Paradiso is his great great grandfather. Recall that the only other time we saw really a family member of his was when he saw, uh, uh, I think it was a cousin of his who had been murdered down in the Inferno very much long ago. Okay. Also, another interesting uh, note that you need to make is that uh, Dante speaks very formally to his great-great-grandfather. He uses the very polite form of you in uh, medieval Italian, the bois, for. And recall that he also does that with Farinata and Bernardo Latini down in hell, Pope Adrian, or Pope Adrian and Guido Guinazelli in Purgatory, and of course, Caccia Guida. Beatrice then smiles politely at him. All right, note this quote by Caccia Guida. Note that it comes in Mars. Note that it comes from Caccia Guida. Note that he's talking about good times that have now passed. With these people, and with others with them, I saw Florence enjoy such peace that there was nothing for which she had to weep. With these people, I saw, and notice that anaphora there, with these people is repeated, I saw her inhabitants in glory and justice so that the lily, that's the symbol of Florence, eh, was never turned upside down on the flagpole, nor through divisions like Wells and Ghibellines, stained red with Ah, yes. Also note that Cachuita talks about the future with Dante, and that he, uh, he explains the appropriate relationship between the future and human free choice. This is important. Cachuita can see contingent things based on contingent choices. These are things in the future not yet chosen or done, as already done through his hyperopia. That is the ability to see the future which all the souls in heaven, hell, and purgatory have for Dante. But even though Kachuguida can see all contingent acts done, like God, that it is man who actually makes them happen, 
And remember this very famous quote. But does not on that account become necessity any more than a ship which is drifting downstream drifts as it does because a man sees it 1742-42. All right. And then Cajuita tells Dante, unfortunately, about his exile here. Hippolytus was forced to leave his Athens because of his stepmother, faithless, fierce, and you must depart from Florence. This is willed already by Pope Boniface VIII, sought for and soon to be accomplished by one who plans and plots where every day Christ is both sold and bought, as in the Catholic Church, by the Pope of that time in the 14th century, early 14th century, 1300. The blame, as usual, will be cried out against the injured party. But just vengeance will serve as witness to the truth that wounds it. All right, now up to the sixth sphere of heaven. And as the change, which happens when a woman recovers her paleness, throwing off an embarrassment which has tinged her face with blushes, so was the change then for my eyes when I turned because of the whiteness of the temperate star. The sixth, which had received me into itself, I saw the sparkling light of Jupiter, the radiance of the love that was there, signaling to my eyes in our language. All right, six, or sphere six out of ten. Nice little legion there by me. The occupants here are just rulers. The liberal art is geometry. The theme is unifying disparate persons into one unified people, opposite of the Tower of Babel. The shape of Jupiter is an eagle. Well, first it's letters, then it's words, then it's an eagle. Remember, which means cherish justice, you who would judge the world. And uh, the metaphor is that all rulers speak with one voice. We're called the, the eagle speaks with one voice. It says I, but we hear we. Uh, we is the regal uh, pronoun because the king speaks for all of his or her kingdom. Uh, queen in that case. All right, very good. Beatrice becomes more lovely. Okay, yes, we're called. The souls form into letters, D, I, L, all the way uh, through to 35 letters, which is a multiple of 7, if I ask you about that. Ends on the letter M in the word Taram. That looks like a human face. Turns into an eagle, and then the eagle starts to talk to Dante. Recall that, uh, uh, just as I said again, but uh, or earlier, I'll say again, Diligite justitiam qui judicatis teram means cherish, cherish justice, you who would judge the world. The souls then linger on the final M. M is an M for monarchy. That means king, soul ruler. And Dante wrote a work called De Monarchia. That means on monarchy. And uh, seems to believe that the, uh, the most noble rule is the one that he thinks is most like um, uh, uh, the rule of a god on earth, which is the rule of a monarch or a king. All right. Note this quote from Jupiter. He who drew with compasses the boundaries of the world... And within it ordered so much both hidden and manifest. His worth could not so mark itself upon the whole of the universe that his word did not remain in its infinite excess. I think that tercet is very, 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 very provocative. It's almost like suggesting that uh, uh, Dante's idea of God is that he becomes real when he accepts limitation. That he becomes real when he takes human form, which is uh, very different from the Greco-Roman conception. The truth of that you may see by the first of the proud, that's Lucifer, who was the noblest of all creation, but could not wait for the light and fell unright. Apparently he uh, went against the laws, went against the boundaries. That's a problem that he and Adam had. Break the rules, suffer the consequences. And that seems to be an objective way to punish people. In any case, and so in the sempiternal justice, whenever you hear about justice up here, it's probably related to Jupiter, uh, the understanding you have of the world loses itself I does in the sea. For although near the shore it sees the bottom, 
In the open sea, it does not. Nonetheless, the bottom is there, although the depths hide it. it means the justice is there, you just can't see it. Because your eyes are human and not very good. Alright, um, oh yes, An another quote that we learn about from the eagle and Jupiter is, how can one go to heaven if one has never heard of Christianity or seen a Christian or even been a Christian? For you said, a man is born upon the banks of the Indus, where there is none to tell of Christ, and no one to read or write about him. And all his inclination and his actions, as far as human reason sees, are good. He is without sin in word or deed. He dies unbaptized and without faith. Where is the justice in condemning him? Is it his fault if he does not believe? And the response was uh, very similar to what we just read before that quote. Now who are you to set up yourself to judge of matters a thousand miles away with eyes that can hardly see nine inches? What's right in front of your face? Certainly for anyone who tries to be clever, there is a marvelous subject for questioning. If scripture were not there to set you right. Remember that the idea is that uh, the eagle says, don't worry about people who haven't heard of God. You need to worry about yourself uh, because you don't even understand yourself. And, you know, not the worst answer, but also not the most satisfactory. Now, remember the leaders in the, uh, in the people of the eye and around the people of the eye of Jupiter. There is King David, who knows the value of song. And then in the eyebrow, there are, I think I have it here, yes, Emperor Trajan, King Hezekiah, Emperor Constantine, William II of Hotville, and Riffius. Recall that uh, Riffius and Trajan are especially interesting because uh, Trajan was a pagan emperor, who supposedly was raised from the dead by Pope Gregory, the same Pope Gregory who got to heaven and smiled because he was wrong about angels, and uh, uh, so that Trajan could die a Christian. And that's why he's up there. But Riffius, uh, why is he up there? He is a fictional creation of Virgil from Book 2 of the Aeneid, who only got a very few lines. He was supposedly renowned for justice, though dis aliter disum, the thoughts or the gods thought otherwise. Interesting Freudian slip there. In any case... He now knows that the evil derived from his good deed is not hurtful to him. This is about the Emperor Constantine, although thereby the world is destroyed. But again, back to Riffius. Why is Riffius up here? Because he supposedly fully embodied the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, different from why um, Cato, who was a suicide, is in the Purgatorio, which means that he also made it to heaven. Because he embodied the four cardinal virtues of fortitude, temperance, justice, and prudence. All right. Predestination. Last quote from Jupiter. Oh, how far away is your root from the sight of all those who do not see the primal cause entirely. And you mortals, hold yourselves back from giving judgment, for we, who see God, do not yet know who all the elect are. And this deficiency is sweet to us, because in this good, our own good is refined, and we want whatever is God's will. So, to make my limited clites, or sight seer... Wow, reading. To make my limited sight clear... I was given by the divine image this sweet medicine. Up to sphere number seven of Saturn. The occupants, contemplatives, thinkers, uh, often monks from uh, monasteries. Liberal art, astronomy. Theme, discovering wisdom or information and then sharing uh, the information. Shape, a golden ladder, which souls go up and souls go down. Metaphor, contemplatives gather and then disseminate information. The main speakers or, of course, Peter Damien and St. Benedict. Now, I'm going to share a couple quotes from both of them. Make sure that you know who spoke them. A lot of people mess these up. 
on one of our recent quizzes. All right. Dante questions Peter Damien. Peter Damien responds, you have mortal hearing as you have mortal sight. He answered me. So here is no singing for the same reason that Beatrice has not smiled. Recall that in Sphere 7 of the Paradiso in Saturn, there is no singing because the singing would be so beautiful that it would make Dante blow up just as simile blew up when she saw the full glory of Zeus and then he had to tie his son Dionysus into his thigh who then became a god rather than immortal. Um, very interestingly enough. Peter Damien again says in Canto 21, the mind, which is light here on earth, is smoke. Consider, therefore, how below it could achieve what it could not do when heaven takes it up. And then Dante says, well then, what's your name? And he says, in that place, I was known as Peter Damien. All right, now, questions to St. Benedict. The speaker now has changed. This is the second speaker of um, uh, Saturn. I pray you, Father, to satisfy me as to whether I am to obtain so much grace as to see your likeness without concealment. And the answer will be yes, he says to Dante. Benedict says to Dante, Brother, brother, your exalted desire will be accomplished in the final sphere where all, including mine, will be so. There is perfection, brightness, wholeness for every wish. This is the Empyrean, the tenth sphere. For there, in there alone, every part is where it always was. Everything that ever has been, will be, and is, is there. Because it is not in space, nor has it poles. And our ladder stretches into it so that it disappears from your sight. Again, something disappearing from our sight. Something being 6,000 miles away disappeared from our sight. Some sort of justice being at the bottom of a, uh, an ocean that we are on uh, disappears from our sight. And then again, uh, the roots of predestination disappear from our sight. And uh, the perfection, rightness, and wholeness for every wish also is uh, beyond our sight. All right. Uh, recall also that Benedict said this. Peter began without gold and without silver. Peter was the first pope. He died with nothing but prayer and fasting. And Francis, the starter of the, or the, uh, the initiator of um, the Franciscan order, humbly with his community. None of these people started with a lot. They just had something fundamental, like faith. Hmm. Now, up to the eighth sphere of heaven, the fixed stars. Note this quote. Never on earth, where movements up and down occur naturally, was ever movement so rapid that it could be compared with my flight. As I hope, reader, to return to that devout triumph on account of which I often weep for my sins to beat my breast. That's apostrophe when you are directly addressed by Dante, uh, as you see in that second tercet there. You would not put your finger in a flame and draw it out again ah, more speedily than I saw the sign after Taurus and found myself there. That is Gemini. That is his sign. Recall that the fixed stars are constellations. O glorious stars, O light which is filled with immense power, from which I acknowledge all my genius, whatever it may be. Recall that he believed that he received imaginative, creative, and intellectual powers from Gemini. That those born under that sign were believed to know that sort of thing or to be those sorts of people. Now, Sphere 8 of 10 of Heaven. The occupants are the church triumphant. The liberal art is, there are no liberal arts here because we've already seen all seven of them. The theme is that Dante will be quizzed on faith, hope, and love by Peter, James, and uh, John. St. Peter, St. James, and St. John. And um, then he will uh, meet Adam and ask him four questions. Now, the four questions that he asks to Adam are, when was Adam created and therefore how old is he? How long did he get to enjoy Eden? What was the reason for God's anger? And what was the language 
that he used. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. Recall a very important definition that Dante gives of faith to Peter. Here is that wisdom and... Okay, so this is a description of Peter. Here is that wisdom and power which opened the roads between heaven and earth. Obviously, Peter is being referred to here because he was given the keys, the two keys of uh, gold and silver, power and discernment, to open uh, heaven. And uh, that uh, it is no channel for a little boat, that which my daring prow cuts as it goes. Again, nautical metaphor of getting lost. Nor for a helmsman who is afraid of toil will have to work some to understand what he's saying. We do. All right, here is the definition of faith that is given uh, by originally St. Paul, but then by uh, Dante to Peter. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the argument for what is not seen. Okay, cool. James, St. James, then quizzes Dante on hope. Dante then gives a definition of hope. Here is his definition from Canto 25. Hope is a certain expectation of future glory. Good. St. John, the Apostle. Recall that he quizzes Dante on love, <coughs> and he is the most beloved of Christ. He was the one that Christ asked to take care of his mother after he died. Note that he is supposedly the writer not only of Revelation, but of the Gospel of John, and that he wrote these lines. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is from the King James uh, version of the Bible that was mentioned earlier. All right, Adam, here are the answers to the questions that he uh, was asked. How long was he on earth? 930 years. That means he was in limbo or hell for 4,302 years, which means he was in heaven for 1,266 years. Uh, if Jesus died at the age of 33 in his 34th year of living, then he would have opened heaven then. Uh, 34 plus 1,266 equals 1,300. 1,300 is when this um, poem takes place. Some math there. So that means that uh, uh, Adam is in total 6,498 years old as of the time of the writing <coughs> or the events of the Divine Comedy. He lasts in Eden between six and seven hours, but the longest interpretation given by scholars is that he could have lasted <coughs> for 33 years there, just like Jesus lasted for 33 years on earth. The language that he spoke was not Hebrew, but rather, the language I spoke had fallen into disuse before the work that could not be completed was ever attended by Nimrod's people. That is the Tower of Babel. His language had fallen into disuse. A uh, couple of names of God that he mentions, these are both Hebrew, are Yahweh, which comes from YHWH, called the Tetragrammaton, and El, you see this in many uh, sort of Hebrew names, Noel, Azrael, Raphael, Gabriel, uh, uh, um, uh, Israel, there we go, uh, and, and several others. Um, okay, Dante then makes it to the Prima Mobile. <coughs> the first thing he reflects on in this all-uniform um, uh, circle, this ninth circle of heaven, is he looks past the, the I saw beyond Cadiz, Spain, the passage, the demented Ulysses took. Holy Ulysses. And on this side, the shore, almost on which gentle Europa was carried. Now, a couple things about the Prima Mobile. It is the fastest of heaven. All parts are uniform here, like glass in a window. It is invisible. The nature of the universe starts here, which means that time and space start here. The things which uh, comprise and bind all things in the universe, space and time. You can think about that for your entire life. The nature of the universe, which is still at the center, while all rest moves around it, begins here as if from a starting point. We hear here. All right. Uh, then uh, a couple of interesting answers here. Um, how long 
after the creation did Lucifer fall. So we know that Adam fell six or seven hours after uh, being put into the Garden of Eden. Lucifer fell from heaven after 20 seconds. 20 seconds after creation. So pretty quickly, he was disposed of. And then we have the question, do the angels understand and remember him well? No, because they are perfectly conjoined with the absolute will. They don't have to remember God because they never stop looking at God. They don't have to will for themselves because they simply follow the will of the absolute will. And so they are like super automatons, which makes them not what I want to be exactly because I like having a free will. I like being able to make mistakes. I don't know, something weird about me. All right, Cantos. 30 through 33 lets us into the final circle, or the final sphere of Paradiso, the, um, the uh, heaven of simple life. We have emerged now from the large body to the heaven of simply, or simple life. This is the Empyrean. It's described as intellectual life, full of love, love of, true, uh, love of the true good, full of happiness, happiness which transcends any sweetness. So did living light so shine about me, and left me wrapped in such a veil of glory that nothing was visible to me. We recall that we see a river of light here that Dante must drink with his eyes. And I saw, in the form of a stream of resplendent brilliance, in between two banks, painted with all the marvels of the spring. Uh, this uh, place is then described as a celestial city. A rose, a golden sympaternal rose. And we're told that King Henry VII still has a place waiting for him. And that uh, this place is in fact uh, divided between those from the Old Testament, or those from before Christ, and those who come after them. Christ. Um, we then turn to talk to Beatrice. I intended one thing, but what happened was different, and she is replaced by St. Bernard, who was a Cistercian monk who took the name of Mary, as all Cistercian monks do. He then prays to Mary uh, for Dante to be able to see the Trinity, and then Dante sees the Trinity because of the grace of the Virgin Mary. Uh, Eve sits at Mary's feet. I just thought I would mention that. Oh yes, and this is the image that I did not show you in the lecture. This is the golden sympaternal the thing I would like you to notice is that, uh, notice the uniformity of the parts. The, the flowers seem to, in tears, circle around the center of the seeds, or the, uh, the center of the rose, in the same way that the uh, spheres of heaven, like uh, 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 fiery circles, circle around the divine. Alright, there is also a schematic of that, and then we have our, our last couple slides here. O eternal life, existing in yourself alone, alone knowing yourself and who known to yourself and knowing, love and smile upon yourself. From uh, Canto 33, lines 124 to 126, is a very Aristotelian way of looking at God. Knowing yourself alone, the unmoved mover of Aristotle only knows itself, only looks at itself because it is perfect and it looks at perfect things. The only perfect thing in existence is itself. Sort of a tautology, but that's what it says. Within itself, and in its own color, seem to be painted with our effigy. That means our image. And so absorbed my attention all together are uh, some of the final lines. And then I, I can't believe that I don't have this included, but recall that the very final lines, I'll just check this really quickly, of the entire poem, which you must know are, I have no idea where it is. Here, there we are. Ah, uh, yes. My desire and my will were being turned like a wheel all at one speed by the love which moves the sun and the other stars note that this canticle, like all three canticles, ends with stars, and that at the end of it, Dante's will is freed, and that his contingent will conjoins with uh, the absolute will. That his desire and his willpower become one, that he actually wills what he wants, and that what he wants are the highest and most beautiful things. And that was your review day for the Paradiso Testimony.